G'day everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Australian Property Investment Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Christie David, and each and every week we bring you a, uh, an, an episode where we interview someone that I call best in breed, so someone that lives and breeds real estate, property investing, and or tax and accounting, so someone's gonna help you on your journey, because uh, we assist many investors kind of break through some barriers, build a high quality portfolio, and ultimately build intergenerational wealth through property. Uh, as one of the components of owning an investment property is becoming a landlord, and some uh, some of our investors do this and, and and take to this role very well, and some transition to it and wonder, okay, so how do I become a good or great landlord as well? And that's one of the topics that we're going to talk about today with our guest, uh, who I'd love to introduce, and his name is Anthony Webb, the CEO of Philip Webb Real Estate from down in Melbourne. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Aaron. Really good to be here, mate. Really appreciate your time, and I know we're going to go deep on a couple of topics. Um, but before I kick off, uh, you know, let's go through the uh, the Anthony Webb story and learn a little bit about yourself and what I call the three P's: a little bit about yourself personally, professionally, and about your own property journey. If you want to indulge us, easy. Okay, my, my I guess personally, uh, I'm forty, nearly forty two years old. I've got two children, uh, both boys who are seven and ten year olds. They're mad AFL supporters, which is great. Yeah, which team are we uh, talking about? Well, who's your, we were. Who's your team? Uh, Melbourne. So okay. uh, unfortunately, just knocked out of the finals, <laughs> yeah. but uh, that's okay. A long-suffering Melbourne supporter. So I'm yeah. used to the disappointment. <laughs> um, also married, uh, my wife is a wedding celebrant. Um, oh, so uh, she's you know, an amazing person at getting out and sort of celebrating people's lives, whether it be funerals or whether they're getting together and, and getting married, which is great. Oh, how good's that? So your Saturdays are just completely shot, right? I mean, you're, are you still doing... Opens or auctions at the moment on Saturdays, or what's your? Yeah, still doing auctions. Yeah. Uh, so weekends are pretty brutal. Uh, we're lucky we've got uh, some good support by way of parents and parents in law. Beautiful. Um, so Saturdays are, are pretty covered. Sundays are my only day off. So if Tash mm. is doing a wedding, um, yeah, me and the boys get to spend some time together, which is pretty cool. Oh, very good. Um, I guess what uh, professionally, um, yeah. I'm a second generation real estate agent. So dad started Philip Webb Real Estate uh, 50 years ago, actually. We just had our 50 year anniversary. Oh, congratulations. Isn't that an achievement, mate? 50 years in business. That's uh, huge. You know, and I sort of sit there and go, he started the business as a 19 year old. That's insane. Um, and has sort of built it up. So you know, we, we've now got three offices across the eastern suburbs of Melbourne. Yeah. Uh, we manage about 5,500 rental properties uh, all across Melbourne, uh, about 115 people on the team. I've been working here for 24 years. Yeah. Mate, I saw uh, that team. It looks like, a, looks like a small army that you've built there. It is. <laughs> um, but, you know, I guess for us, we're, we're a family business too. So yeah. um, we, we really sort of take on the, the ethics and morals, I think, of a family business. And I, I love the fact that we've actually got families working within our family business. So brothers, mothers, daughters, cousins. Uh, it's, it's really cool. So that's something, you know, dad's really tried to foster on the way through. Something to be super, super proud of. I mean, you look at the small business statistics, right? And how many businesses, don't, especially real estate or say broking, for example, how many businesses don't make past the 18-month, three-year mark? Then you go to five years and what four out of five businesses aren't even profitable, for example. Then you go to 10 years and how many of those businesses actually made it through the trenches and then even at 10 years doesn't guarantee profitability, viability. And you look at a business that's 50 years strong, uh, that's that's a testament to, to everyone's hard work and most importantly, I guess, the, the service that you were delivering to your community as well, isn't it, without blowing any type of smoke? That is, and I think it's something that's really important for mm. us that we 
we sort of our clients we treat them the way that we want to be treated um and you know we, we've had the mission statement uh, exceeding clients expectations um and that's sort of something that dad's run from you know the 80s when mission statements probably became popular but it's yeah. something that we just really focus on is okay how do we give the client a great experience in in mm-hmm. every step of the way and i think that's why you know he's been able to create a successful business for for me to step in and, and hopefully expand a bit on yeah i think something that comes to mind is good to great so the businesses that have been able to, to transition and when they've handed across from owner to the to now CEO, for example, it's handed across and they've been able to step up. I think that's I think that's what you guys are going through. That's the idea. I think yep. I've been groomed for it, so I've done every role within the business. So uh, there's there's no one on the team that can say you haven't done it. Um, <laughs> so that's good. Whether it be sales, property manager, I've, I've been everywhere, so it's good. Yeah. Oh, well done. Uh, the next part of the piece was property. Mm. Um, so I, I bought my first property when I was 23 years old. Beautiful. Um, I actually got a second job at the time so I could pay for it. Um, my wife and I are pretty crazy. We've been married for 12 years and we've moved houses five times. So nice we, we've certainly used that whole principal place of residence so we didn't have to pay capital gains tax. Yeah. Um, so bought, renovate, sold, bought, renovate, sold. That's That's been really good for us. So yeah. I still own my first investment property. Wow. Um, and uh, got another one now um, through our self-managed super fund as well, which was uh, a little bit fun to set up. But uh, no, I'm a big believer in property is the best way to go. Uh, this is it. I, I think when we talk to uh, talk to many real estate agents and it's like, this is the pr- this is your product. So there's a sense of belief in your product as well, right? And, uh, and, the, and the way that you've been able to buy, renovate. So I think that that... that story will appeal to a number of buyers that go, hey, look, we've been in your shoes. We can see what you want to overcapitalize, you want to invest, and then the way to almost step up gradually as well, instead of kind of going from here to buying the dream home, there is a process and step-by-step way to get there as well, isn't there? Well, there is. It's, it's lots of little small bites. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we certainly wouldn't be able to live in the house we live in today. Um, and if we hadn't been through this process, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm lucky. I always say the first four were my fault. <laughs> um, the last, the last one was hers. So um, no, we're we're really happy where we are now, which is really cool. Congrats, mate! Wonderful, well done, mate. The reason we're talking is I saw a really great article that you you put out talking about some of the the changes that have uh, taken place uh, with rental laws down in Victoria and the issues that you're having down there. Now being down there, you're going to be kind of really close to the. Uh, to the to ease of the ground on what's going on. So take us through, I mean, call it a rental crisis. We can see nationally there's tight vacancy rates, but some of the changes that have come through, I think it was enacted in like March, this, uh, in March. Last year. Last year, now filtering through and you're saying, well, hang on, there's maybe unintended consequences that are coming off the back of that. So probably let's go back to someone that doesn't understand what's going on there. What were the changes that, that, that filtered through? So I, I think we probably even need to go a little bit further back yeah, okay. um, and, and sort of have the, the COVID conversation, which everyone shudders when they hear the word yeah. still. Um, but I, I think what, what happened during COVID was we, we had in, in Melbourne, we were locked down for, what, 270 days or something like that. Um, landlords weren't allowed to increase uh, rents. Um, we weren't even allowed to inspect properties. We weren't allowed to leave our house. Landlords were encouraged to give a discount in rents to tenants. Um, and I think for, for a long time, landlords were really treated poorly here in Melbourne. Um, you know, I think there's a misconception around landlords that they're all absolutely rich. They're all trying to do the wrong thing by their tenants. Um, and, and so I think that that was something that we worked through down here for two years. Mm. 
Um, so then you fast forward to um, the changes to the Residential Tenancies Act, where there are 130 changes to, to law, and, and some of them were really good. You know, the, it was quite, I think it was 1980, where the original one came out. So they'll bring it up to, you know, the, the, the dates that there are now. But yeah. um, there were a lot of, I guess, there's a, a greater risk on landlords. There is more costs that have to happen. Um, and I, I think a lot of landlords just got to the point where they went, you know what, I, I just don't really feel like this is a great investment vehicle anymore. Um, and, and then I guess what happened is the market boomed. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there was, you know, a lot of landlords that were like, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to sell my property, yeah, take advantage out. of the fact that the market was really good, cash out, try and do something else. Yeah. A lot of them were, you know, I'm, I'm selling my property. I don't know what I want to do, what I'm going to do with the money. I just think now's a good time to get out. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you, you've got landlords that are exiting because of how they were treated during COVID. You've got landlords that are exiting because of the new changes that have come in and I guess the costs. Um, and, and the le- legislative requirements that are on them. And then thirdly, you've got a booming market. Mm. Um, so that just completely reduces the pool of properties that are available for tenants to move into. Yeah. Um, so when people then start to get the confidence to go back out, and you know, we had a lot of people here move in with back in with family or consolidate with friends while they were locked down so they weren't alone and by themselves, and tenants could just walk away from their leases as well. You've got then people have the confidence to go back out and start renting properties. Um, because of the the way that the market has increased, there are now a lot of people that are either going to have to save or yeah. you know, can't afford to buy a house anymore, so I'm being pushed back to that sort of traditional rental. Yeah. And the laws of supply and demand come in and, and rental prices have really gone up. And they probably didn't start kicking in Melbourne um, until about February this year. Yeah. Um, but they've pushed really hard. And I guess there's one other part, which go back a little step when someone's trying to buy, especially interstate and the stamp duty differential as well is, is some oh. of that. Uh, yeah, it's another entry cost for a potential investor coming into, into Victoria going, actually, yeah, I can see the capital growth, but I could potentially buy in a different market compared to Victoria. Exactly. Yeah, we have we do have the highest stamp duty, and I think land tax has also gone yeah. up fairly significantly as well. So, um it's 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 sort of just been one of these situations where you know everything's come together at the same time. Yeah, and we 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 have so you know last year, like I said, we managed about five thousand five hundred rental properties. We saw effectively ten percent of our rent roll go. Yes, we're going to sell. Yeah, okay. Um, so yeah, and we're not alone in that. The real estate agents that I talked to in Melbourne, even yeah. in que- um, Queensland and New South Wales, have said exactly the same thing. Mm. So you know, if, if 10% of the rental properties in Melbourne have disappeared, they've been sold. Um, you know, what our stats sort of show that probably two in 10 properties are bought by an investor. So maybe it's not the full 10% that have disappeared forever. Yeah. Uh, but but the pool has definitely decreased and. Um, yeah, then, then then you've sort of seen um, people wanting to push out and, and you know, people who are renting wanting to have a little bit more space and wanting to be a house and mm. you know, moving further away from the city for lifestyle and those sorts of reasons. And you know, the, the competition on houses is just crazy. Uh, I, I mean, you, t- you touched on what's going on in, in Victoria, for example, and you, look at, you go to Queensland and so all the changes are coming through from land tax as well. So you go investors, I mean, if they've got a diversified portfolio, they're getting stung a little bit more going, okay, we've got moving goalposts in Victoria, moving goalposts in uh, Queensland, and we've just seen Hobart kind of announce some changes around Airbnbs, for example, or trying to cap, you know, talks around capping or freezing rental increases as well in this current market. Uh, we've seen on the south coast of New South Wales, for example, where local councils now are writing to 
um, landlords and saying, look, instead of having your property on Airbnb, can we convert that into a long-term rental as well due to the, the shortage? So when you say moving goalposts, there's also the flip side to these adaptability. And I feel like that's that's probably something that's going to have to happen in your world, especially with real estate agencies, learning to adapt to having such a hard, hard and fast-paced market to now moving to a different style of market as well and what the future holds because I'm sure a lot of potential homeowners but also potential buyers are looking at some of these rate rises going, what does that mean for me? You know, change in borrowing capacity, change in repayments, managing their own cash flow as well. So I guess my question in there somewhere is, how does how does you and your team handle the adaptability conversation they're having with landlords and, and potential clients as well? I think I've never worked in an environment where you know, we, we've had to adapt so quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think this this is where having really good relationships with your clients is important. Um, you know, property managers, I think, are probably the most undervalued resource in real estate. Well said. You know, yeah. It is a difficult job. You're the meat and the sandwich the whole time. No one ever really calls you to say thank you, well done, you've done a good job. Okay. They've got every phone call is effectively more work. Right. So I think um, where we've really focused is educating our property managers to be able to give the right advice to their landlords. Yeah. So whether it become to you know, rental increases, we we don't do Airbnb as a company. It's just not something that we do from a short stay point of view. It's I guess not a skill set that we really have. Mm. And in the areas that we work, there's not a lot of Airbnb. But I know I've got some friends that have really pushed into that holiday rentals uh, side of things, yeah. that are the fully furnished weekenders, and and that's sort of particularly down here along the Mornington Peninsula, um, where a lot of businesses have had to start up their holiday arms. Um, You know, for us, we've we've had, with the legislation, you're less likely to do short-term rentals, um, just just based on, I guess, your your rights as a landlord and those sorts of things. You don't want your lease ending too quickly as well. So it is, um, I guess, for us, about sitting down and having conversations with our landlords about, okay, well, what is the goal of having this property? You know, all those landlords that were selling um, yeah. because of the way, you know, they weren't getting their rental return, they got treated poorly during COVID. Well, when did you buy the property? What's it's worth now? How much income have you actually received during the time that you had the property? We're more than happy to sell it um, if you want to sell, but we, we just think uh, property is such a good investment vehicle that rents will come back, and we're saying that now. Mm. Um, and I, I think there's still a fair bit further to go in terms of rents. And I think we'll see investors come back into the marketplace. Uh, and we already are, but to a larger extent, I think later this year, early next year, um, as, as those returns get better. Um, so it, it's just, just that side. So you've got to be able to weather the storm a little bit and yeah. ride through it. Um, and, and they're the sort of conversations that we're having. And then I, I guess for us, it's, you know, how, how can we, I guess, use technology to leverage, um, you know, the, the way that we do inspections on property so landlords can have a better understanding of what's actually going on with their property as well. Yeah, well said. Thanks very much. Something you just talked about there was the investors' comments, which is, we'll wait till the end of the year, maybe start of next year, which is very common to what we're even hearing. I speak to a lot of colleagues as well. It's the same thing where it's that wait and see approach. So I feel like there's this perfect storm of investors that are waiting and seeing and we'll almost have to compete with each other as well. Is that that's a common comment that you feel like is is coming through, like a wait and see. Oh, I guess I was talking more about rental returns. Yeah, um, and seeing rents go up. Yeah, okay. Um, I I think if if I was looking to invest, I think now's the time to do it. Mm. 
Um, I, I think there are a lot of people who are nervous about the increase in interest rates and how far are they going to go. Um, so while those people are sitting back, and I guess from the sales point of view, what we're seeing is a lot of people are saying, give me a call when you get an offer. Yeah. Uh, and the numbers through open for inspections are dramatically lower than where they were 12 months ago. Yeah. So I, I think there are an opportunity. There are opportunities to buy properties well at the moment, um, and and you will still get a rental return. Now, what's what's going to happen with the property market over the next 12 months, two years? Who knows? Mm. Um, but I, I think from a rental return point of view, um, you, you're going to get a good return. And the reality is, property is not a short term investment. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and you know, we go back to federation. Property prices have pretty much doubled every 10 years. Yeah. Um, so as long as you've got that long term view, property is going to be great for you. Yeah. Well said. Um, there was one question I was going to ask you, which is, I mean, you mentioned about doubling every every 10 years and COVID has almost accelerated that and changed that a little bit. For, um, for the last couple of years, you had that accelerated price growth for a couple of years. As you're looking to your local markets, what is the feedback at the moment in terms of price guidance? And, and I guess, do you expect to see some type of growth or, or movement in prices as well the next couple of years? And I know you mentioned that no one knows, but... Yeah, the market. You're very close to it. So we, we, I think in our areas, we probably say property prices come back by about seven percent. Okay. Um, so it's not as dramatic as I think when you're reading the newspapers or yeah. watching the news. They're making it out to sound. Yeah. Um, I think once again, supply and demand are having a massive issue. They're holding prices up. Good properties are still selling really well. Yeah. Um, so if, if I'm sort of talking to investors that are looking to buy properties in, in Melbourne at the moment, it's sort of really looking at what tenants want. So I really track our vacancy rate and how quickly properties are leasing. Yeah, okay. Three bedroom, four bedroom, five bedroom houses are the quickest possible properties to lease out. Like mm. their vacancy is days. Um, so we can usually lease them before the tenants have even moved out of the property. Beautiful. That being said, they're, they're usually a lot more expensive and most people are entering in the investment path, uh, path of looking at apartments yeah. uh, or units um, or maybe something to develop down the track as well. Um, so my, my sort of focus is, is looking at what tenants are actually wanting in a certain area. Um, and, and that's where I think you're going to have to speak to real estate agents and have a really good conversation with them. It's funny, no one ever really wants to speak to us. Um, <laughs> but I, but I, I think a, a relationship with a real estate agent is a really important thing to have is if, if you're an avid property investor. Correct. You know, one of my best clients we met uh, probably, actually I sold her her first house in 2007. Um, and, and her property portfolio has gone up and down and moved a little bit along the way. But she's someone I know. If, if we've got a property that I think is a really good buy, um, now, and, and the vendor's at a point where either they want to get rid of it, they have to get rid of it or something like that, I'll give her a call and say, hey, you know, this one looks like good value. And she'll, she'll do her research on it. More often than not, she'll jump in and have a crack. Um, but I, I think, that's that's one side of things. So having a really good relationship with a sales agent, but then also having a really good property manager, yeah. um, if you're buying for investment reasons, is huge. You know, people focus so much on the fees yeah. um, and the fee that a real estate agent's going to charge. At the end of the day, what a good agent can do to prevent things going wrong Spot down on. the track is so much more than the fee that you can ever ever pay well. Spot on. Mate, I think you, you just read my, my page here, which is my next question around... Um, investors gaining the the unfair advantage or the competitive advantage, which is building those relationships with real estate agents, so they can give you maybe a pre market or an off market or a listing that you know maybe isn't moving as quickly as they they want to, 
and there's an opportunity to jump in. I think you've just answered that question. And why, from a real estate agent's perspective, would they have the property off market or be able to market market it, you know, try and get people pre-market, for example, because some people are sceptical when they hear that. Yeah, it's a funny thing. I mean, I guess we've been doing what you know, we call down here off-market, pre-market for, for quite a while. Yeah. Um, I guess there are some clients that want to test the market, test the waters and see what happens. All, all agents will have, you know, their, their database of buyers that have been coming through, they're open for inspections, and that can give vendors a pretty good indication of price. Yeah. From a, a buyer's point of view, that the vendor will we'll quite often not be paying advertising and those sorts of things. So okay. they might take a little bit less. Um, sometimes they're just really scared about the experience. Like some, a lot of people don't sell houses very often. So it's not something that they're familiar with. And having people come into their house and open for inspection mm. boards in their house on the internet can really freak them out. Yeah. Um, but I, I guess the last property I bought, I bought off market and okay. um, we were looking in a certain area for a while. And I, I went to five different agents that were fairly strong in the area. Um, I said, got on their, you know, database or their pre um, off market listings, and I just said, send me everything that comes through. Yeah. Um, and that was how we managed to get something relatively quickly, um, rather than having to compete. And I guess that's good when the market's strong. I think right now, if if you're savvy, you can move relatively quickly. Um, then you can make things happen pretty quickly. You know. Yeah. So one of the things we're seeing a lot of with buyers at the moment is they don't have their finance approved. Well said. So they think that they can pay a certain amount for a yeah. property. And they actually can't. We, I had one a couple of weeks ago where they, they thought that they could spend 1.3 and they could only spend 1.1. Yeah. Um, so from from our point of view, we, we've invested all this time in a buyer that we thought was going to buy the property that just couldn't do it. Yeah, correct. And that's, again, when we're talking, we're talking to our clients and saying, look, get your finance in order because that's the last thing you want to hold up negotiations. You put your best foot forward, I'm financed, I'm ready to go. So from a real estate agent's perspective, this is a lower risk purchaser because I know that they're ticking the box. They've got the finances ready to go. They're an organized buyer, for example. The agent is not going to risk having egg on their face when they go to the vendor to say, we've got an offer and now suddenly that offer's disappeared as well. Yeah. And, uh, and one of the things we're seeing a lot of at the moment is buyers who can't get their finance and are cooling off on properties. Mm. So I, I quite often see vendors take ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 less yeah. because an offer is unconditional versus an offer being conditional. Yeah. Um, so it does, it makes your offer just that little bit stronger. Mm. I'm glad you mentioned it because it comes from me sometimes. <laughs> it sounds like um, like it's, it's smoke and mirror stuff, but it's it's so true. When you're presenting an offer, it's give a tight offer. Let them know that the fire, so you're not giving, you're not, you're not kind of showing your, your hand. Um, what you're doing is you're putting your best foot forward, really, and I really appreciate your, you know, your share on that one. No, that's a good one. And I think the, the other trick with buying is every agent handles offers and their offer system differently. Mm. So ask the agent. So, you know, if I put an offer on this property, how's it going to work? Um, because, you know, some will use your offer as leverage on other offers. Mm. Some will do, you know, a sealed envelope and the best offer wins. Mm. You, you just don't, because everyone does do it differently. So having an understanding around that is really important when you're placing your offer and you're negotiating with an agent as well. Yeah, appreciate it, mate. Thank you so much. Uh, there's so many years of knowledge and wisdom in, in some of the stuff you just shared with us. So thank you very much, Anthony. Really appreciate it. Um, I will put the link, so if anyone's interested in, in reading the article that you've put out in Real Estate Business, I will put the link in there so people can check it out. And uh, we'll also put the details for Philip Wed Real Estate. So if, if you are looking to invest, buy, sell in uh, in those particular areas in Melbourne that Philip Webb serve, 
you can get in touch with the team there as well. So Anthony, thank you very much for your time and appreciate you sharing with us as well. No worries, it was a great chat, Aaron. Awesome, thanks gang. That's a wrap for another episode of the Australian Property Investment Podcast. Again, if you found that helpful, handy, uh, please leave us a review or drop us a note with some questions that you may have that you want answered as well. We look forward to hearing from you. Uh, as we said, that's a wrap. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks very much.